1: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Coming up on total access, the locker room. Just talk about yeah. Peyton Manning and how gratifying it was to see him get recognized as one of the greats.
1: Yeah, you know, that was kind of intimidating for me. Hell, I go on, I go into Denver and you know he's got his offense in place and what? I've, I've, got, I've got one that I've got one that I think is pretty good too. So, you know, something's gotta give here. I can tell you guys we don't Denver doesn't win a third championship if Peyton doesn't come back and play there at the end of the year.
2: Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson alongside Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billett. Coach, what's going down?
3: Hey, we're doing it today. We get a chance to visit with one of my favorite all-time coaches, Gary Kubiak.
2: Yes, sir. We're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. And just like you said, coach, today we're welcoming a man with 25 years of NFL coaching experience, Gary Kubiak. And guys, you guys are in for all types of NFL stories. I mean, the run game coach, you know, I love the run Mm -hmm. game, the outside zone, how he goes into detail about it. And the future of the National Football League is awesome and coach we have a special one today here he is super bowl winning head coach gary kubiak coach welcome to the total access podcast what's going on coach i'm doing great how are you guys doing today man doing look good great. And relaxed. that's good look, yeah man look very relaxed man look so look <laughs> we start every single podcast with a locker room story sometimes i forget and coach has to remind me but we start every every episode with a locker room story now coach um we're not on tv this is the podcast right so we need the behind the scenes stuff man don't give us none of that rudy pooh stuff you would say on television all right we got to get the behind the scenes um stories about something something that happened in your great uh coaching career
1: well, I'll tell you this: this was more my playing career, but it involves okay. uh, it involves a coach very much. So, when I was in Denver with Elway, and Elway was obviously the guy, and I was his backup for ten years. Uh, Shanahan passed through Denver, and he coaches both for about uh, five or six years before he went on to bigger and better things. But every uh, game before the game, would would sit in a locker. Mike would come by and sit in a locker and. He would quiz John on the game plan and what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, about ten minutes before he walked over to quiz John, John said, "I'm going to jack with him today." So Mike Mike comes in there, <laughs> he sits down, and Mike starts giving John all these questions about the game plan. And John is giving him every wrong answer, and Shanahan's looking at me over his <laughs> shoulder like, "This guy don't know what the hell he's doing today." You know, so uh, John jacked with him a little bit. We let him on for about ten minutes, and finally, John just started laughing. He said, "I know what the hell I'm doing. Let's go play." So, uh, that was a pretty good day,
3: man. And you, you got to appreciate that now, as a coach, looking back oh, on God. the other end of that. Oh God, yeah, I can't Absolutely. imagine. Absolutely,
1: you know how it is, coach. When you're sitting there teaching all week and. And then it's time to go to work, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden, guy scares the hell out of you like that. You know, you, you get a little scared before you hit the field. Oh, <laughs> well, you know,
3: That's awesome. yeah, and you got you got to you know, you, you, yours is such a unique experience, Gary. And I'm a huge fan of yours as a coach, just because of what you brought to the profession. One of the rare players at a time. You know, that was the time when you went from playing to coaching. Players didn't do that a lot. You know, that no, was no, that. You're you know, exactly right. Nowadays, a lot do. You know, it's a, what I'm interested in. What made you willing to make that jump?
1: Well, it was interesting. You know, as you know, I sat there for ten years behind John, and obviously, he didn't let me play a whole lot. So I was, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like a, a coach for Dan Reeves. You know, Dan was the coach the whole time. Nowadays, not many guys play for the same coach for that length of time. Or You know, teams change quite a bit from year to year. But uh, I worked for Dan. And as I got to the end of my career, I had some back problems. I knew I was going to step away. And Dan started talking to me about coaching. So, uh, you know, I thought about it. And I said, it's something I'd like to do. But I'll be honest with you. I was a little... uh, apprehensive about mm-hmm. stepping really? right into the NFL so I went back to college football I went back to Texas A&M and mm-hmm. and uh, R.C. Slocum gave me a chance to come there and coach a running back so that's where why I got my hesitant? feet wet as a coach and fell in love with the ability to you know to teach and be around players so that's how I got my start
2: why were you hesitant coach I mean you well had, you just I was, finished no, playing? I, Mike
1: I was a little hesitant to go straight to pro football you know I yeah. mean I'm sitting there I'm a Uh, You know, I'm a former player and and I'm being told, hey, you can hop right in here with us. And I was like, you know, kind of let me go earn my dues, so to speak. Let me go start somewhere, see what this is all about. I had a young family, see if my wife enjoyed this coaching deal, you know? So, uh, you know, I just felt like I better get started somewhere and, and, you know, start from scratch. And when I look back, what scratch was for me, I mean, I walked in, I was a running back coach at Texas A&M. Mike Sherman was the uh, offensive line coach. So I started to learn a phase of football that I really didn't know a hell of a lot about. I mean, I was studying line play, uh, run game, watching Mm. tight tight film instead of wide wide film. So uh, it really helped me in my career. I'm glad I did it.
3: Yeah, I was. uh, That's one of the things I admire about you, Gary. Is that because I've had, you know, a number of my former players would come in and say, "Geez, I want to coach," and then you go, they go, kind of go, "What do you You know? I don't, I don't get Tuesdays off. I'm here till (laughs) how late?" And you're going to yeah. pay me how much? Now, then I never see them again. What's grind, man? Not only were yeah. you willing to step into it, but it was as as Mike's alluding to you. It's kind of well, I got to earn my chops a little bit as a coach. Right. I got to learn a little bit about what it is to coach. And I I just admire so much that you went that route to kind of commit yourself to it. Uh, and then that after seeing it, you
1: actually said, "No, I, you convinced your wife." Yeah, I think <laughs> I will coach. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I it, it was interesting because it was hard at first, coach. You're right. It's such a shock. I mean, as a player. Yeah, you know, you've got a great life as a player. You work really hard to to do your job and prepare to play. But when you get into the coaching profession, the hours, the time, and the you know that commitment is is a big difference. And when I was at A and am I'm gonna I'll, I'll admit I struggled. But I had such a great mentor and Mike Sherman, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. I can remember one night sitting in the office late at night, midnight, and I'm half asleep in there, and Sherman comes over and, and says, how you doing? You know, it's my first year coaching. And I said, "Sherm, what the hell are we doing here all night? We run, <laughs> we run 10 plays, you know. <laughs> so uh, I was trying to figure all that out. But, uh, you know, you fall in love with it. You fall in love with scheming people. But the thing that I like, Coach, I just love teaching. I love being around players, love helping kids. I love coaching college football. You know, you get to pro football. You're coaching both ends of the spectrum, young man and guys with three and four kids have been playing for 15 years. So I really loved it both, but, uh, but teaching was always my passion.
2: Coach, coach, talk to us about what was it like going when you had an opportunity to go back to Denver? All right. You, yeah. you alluded to it earlier. Right. You, you you backed up John Elway and then you worked with him in that capacity. And then you worked with him in a capacity where he was kind of your boss to a degree. Right. Talk to yeah. us about that experience, man. And then you got a Super Bowl out of the marriage. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mike, you know, I was um, you know, I had just been like going Houston two years before I was in Baltimore mm-hmm. where Coach, Obviously had a lot of success there. It's a great place. Baltimore kind of renewed my my passion. Like, hey, I, I want to be a head coach again. You know, so I worked for Harbaugh and Ozzie there for a year. And, and we came back from a tough defeat in New England. And heck, I thought I was coming back to be the coordinator again. I really love Baltimore. And, and uh, my phone rings and it's John. And he says, you want to do this again? You know, and I'm thinking, well... Yeah, you got a pretty good team over there. So uh, it, was, it was great. You know, obviously, I was coming back to a place that I knew a lot of people in the building. I uh, had a big relationship with Mr. Buller and his family. They had a really good football team at that time. So, you know, I'm very thankful for that opportunity. I wouldn't be a Super Bowl winning coach if John doesn't pick up that phone that day and give me a chance to come back so i i'm I'm very appreciative of that
3: the denver broncos are world champions they have just won super bowl 50 well i love the aspect you're talking about you love teaching because then you here you go winning your super bowl winning head coach and all that goes along with that and then you're willing to 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 stay in the game and all the demands and we'll talk about that in a minute because you know i tell people all the time yeah this job can kill you now so you, I mean, that's, try, that's very real. Really, coach. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Cause it, it took so much obviously for you to deal with that, but then to recognize, you know, I love teaching so much. I don't have to be the head coach. I'll just, I'll just be a coordinator and came back in that capacity. I think that I'm um, a little bit about just your love of the game and, and really the head coaching stuff's great, but it's, you know, just teaching can be pretty good too.
1: Oh, absolutely. And when I stepped away from being a head coach in Denver, it was an interesting time for me, coach, because I knew I still wanted to work. You know, I'm, I'm a guy that gets up every day at five in the morning and I got to go do something. But I was going to try try to find, uh, I guess, that next niche. You know, what was I going to do? I messed around a little bit in personnel with John and Matt Russell in Denver for a couple of years. Uh, Zim calls me, asked me to come down there and kind of become part of what they were doing with Kevin. And uh For me, just becoming one of the guys again, coach, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but (laughs) becoming one of the guys again and going back in that room with those players and and battling with them week in and week out. I mean, that's how I got to where I that's how I got my start. And that's really my true love. I just I love that part of the game. I know what players go through. I have great respect for players and that do it the right way. And uh, I just love being a part of the part of the group again. So The last two years was uh, very enjoyable for
2: me in Minnesota. And, and, and coach, I think that's why you you garner so much respect amongst players, mm-hmm. right? To hear head coach and coach Coach Billick, we talk about that all the time. When a leader has respect for the job that the men he's leading yeah. uh, does, it, it, goes, it goes a long way, man. And I know we talked about quarterbacks, but I'm a former uh, running back here in the National Football League. <laughs> Bro, like the Mike Shanahan scheme, I, you may not call it that, but that's what I call it on the outside. Talk Damn. to us about that. I remember when you were in Houston and that, why... I, I, we used to call it the widest of the wide zone that Aaron Foster used to run, man. Run to the two yards outside that ghost leg of the tight end, make a decision, and, and go to work. Where did that come from? Like, it seemed like everybody in the world knew you are going to run it, and you still ran it, and it still worked. Just talk to us a little bit about that run scheme system that you were so much of an integral part of.
1: Well, well Coach Billick will know this name when I bring it up, but uh, there's a tremendous football coach Uh uh, Alex Gibbs, who uh, when when I was yeah. in Denver, Mike Shanahan and Alex Gibbs came to uh, to Denver to coach with Coach Reeves. And Mike was coming from the University of Florida, and Alex was coming from Georgia, where he had been with Herschel Walker and some great players there. But those are the guys that got it started. So that I, I learned from Alex, and uh, with Alex, it was repetition. You know how to hide how to hide one play many different ways. With Mike, it was getting repetitions on doing certain things over and over again and masking it with formations and shifts and those type of things. So my knowledge of that running game came from Alex and Mike. And, you know, through the years it grows and you always have to have some gap schemes in there to offset what you're doing. But, but But that original start came from the great Alex Gibbs. He lives in Arizona now. Good coach, hell of a football coach, good man, good friend of mine. Yeah,
3: let, let's, I want to drill that on a, down on a second a little bit because the guys, and obviously, like you said, you were in Baltimore and they have such respect for you there, Gary. And the thing that I kept hearing back from Baltimore and Eric DaCosta and the group was that what they loved about you was you were very specific about knowing what you needed in terms of the talents of the players that mm. you had. And, and the scouts love that because now they really knew, OK, here's what we're looking. And it wasn't just, yeah, we want good, big, fast athletes. Yeah, we all want that. Yeah. But here's the attributes. When it came to the running backs and you guys had such a litany of them, not only in, in Denver and in Houston and, and you, you go on even in Baltimore. What about the running back that you looked for to say, yes, this is the kind of guy that can run that scheme?
1: Well, coach, you know, we, we felt like we could we could teach our scheme and teach tracks and those type of things. You know, it's hard to teach vision to guys. I mean, those right. guys are, are born with that. But I can say the one quality that I always love when I look for a back in the draft, I, I love tough mental toughness in a back. I mean, because being a great back in the National Football League is about pounding in there 20, 25 times a game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not always pretty, but you keep working, you keep working till you spit some big plays out. So I love mental toughness in backs. Uh, Terrell Davis, one of the toughest players yeah. I've ever been around. Clinton Portis, <laughs> Arian Foster. I uh, went to Baltimore. I took Justin Forsett with me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then I sit there with Dalvin here these last couple of years. But Usually those great ones are, are guys that are just really built, tough-minded guys that, uh, you know, are just willing to stick it in there over and over again until it gets right.
2: Yeah, I'm going to kick it back over to the coach in front, coach. Talk about Kevin Stefanski, man. guy's the coach of the year in the National Football League. I thought he did a great job managing that team, all of those personalities. Um, he was quoted by saying he wanted to, you know, he benefited a lot by staying an extra year with you in Minnesota to just learn from you. Talk about that relationship with Kevin Stefanski, man, because, I mean, he he, he looks to be born to lead. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, that, uh, you
1: know, I, I tell you, uh, I don't even know where to start. I, I knew a lot about Kevin, uh, you know, as a, as a head coach in the National Football League, you keep up with young coaches because you're always looking mm-hmm. for good young coaches, uh, guys that are coming up, you know, the ladder, so to speak, that you may hire someday. And I had a book and I kept, a, had a bunch of knowledge on various coaches, so I knew a lot about Kevin but I had no idea until I stepped in that building, uh, you know, his level of expertise. Uh, he has two big time ingredients. He's demanding. He's very, very demanding, but he's very composed. And looking for those two things in a coach is really, really hard to find. Uh, Kevin came up the old, the old way. I mean, he was a head coach's uh, secretary, so to speak. He coached running backs. He coached tight ends. He coached, wide receivers, he coached quarterbacks. I mean, Kevin was in Minnesota for, I think, 13, 14 years. So uh, in a day and time where guys are moving up the ladder pretty quick nowadays and some young guys, Kevin really, really had his hand in a lot of things before he got his opportunity. So I was just very impressed with how he handled players, uh, how he went in the room demanding of players, but uh, extremely fair, extremely composed. And it showed last year with his football team. I mean, for his team to go to Pittsburgh without him, And for them to play the way they play tells you what type of influence he had on that group of men. So very proud of Kevin. I think you're going to see great things from him.
3: Yeah, although he hurt, he hurt coaches' contracts big time now because you got to know the owners are going well. Hell, why are we paying these guys all this much money if they can go to a, you know, on the road and win? Why are we paying them so much? So he kind of hurt, I think, some of the contracts coming in. Uh, you know, we alluded to it earlier, uh, coach, and and I, 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 we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it because and and I've lived it myself, and it, it's 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 something people can't really. I mean, everybody has tough jobs. I get that, but the demands. No. 24 seven 365 days a year on head coaches. You had a scary uh, situation back in 2013, where you talk a little bit about your mindset as you're going through that wondering Jesus to I mean, can should I really be doing this?
1: Yeah. you know, coach, I think like anything else at the time, you think you're a little invincible, you know, I can, right. I can handle anything. So I really didn't think much of it. The first time I went through it in Houston, I battled through it. I kept going, you know, I come back, I go to, go to Denver. I have another little episode, so to speak. And that's when I really started thinking about it. You know, I, I just, mm-hmm. uh, I know how much I love the profession. I love the game. I love being around players. But I really struggled with the 16, 17 hours a day. I struggled with right. my phone by my bed every night, you know, wondering what's going on with my team. and Was everybody OK? So, you know, I, I was just trying to be honest with myself. Uh, I'm fine. I feel great. Uh, but that is a very, very demanding job. And uh, it's a different animal, so to speak, when you start talking about coaching, and being a head coach compared to being a coordinator or an assistant. So uh, I have great respect for that. I had my opportunity, coach. I had my ten years. You know, it was fun. I was uh, very, very, very fortunate. But uh, I kind of look at coaching as a whole, the whole career, and I just really enjoyed what I got a chance to be a part of.
2: It, you know, you got so you got your sons involved in, in coaching yeah. now, right? You know, any advice for them entering? Well, you know, I didn't get the them involved. They, the,
1: <laughs> they ain't
2: got themselves
1: involved. They wouldn't have thought. You (laughs) you know, it's interesting when you're, you know, you're going through life and you're working and trying to, trying to raise a family. My wife did a hell of a job while I was coaching with those kids, but you know, they're always watching you obviously. And you, you know, I'd take them to training camp with me and they were ball boys, but I never really pushed my kids to, to become coaches. I think they found their own way and they love the game and, uh, you know, they're working at it now and trying to, trying to find their way in the game, but. You know, I just tried to teach them how to work. You know, I think anything you choose to do in life, uh, if you work hard at it, you got a chance to be successful. So, you know, I'm very proud of them, and I'm very proud of the job that their mom did while I was busy uh, coaching a lot of players along the way. Yeah, yeah
3: but it says something about it, and I always say, because I'm always asked about this, because, yeah, there's a lot of demands on it and, like, a lot of jobs, but in the time, it takes you away from your family and all the demands. Uh, but it's interesting how many young people, how many young men, follow obviously they thought a lot of it and they thought a lot of you as the dad knowing okay yeah he's busy he's lot but boy the attention you had to give them and the access that they would follow you that have
1: to say yeah that's actually a pretty good life I guess they could probably answer that better than me coach but I you know I, I look back and I think about those times you know you're in the locker room and when they were kids they were ball boys or doing various things in the locker room and picking up towels and I remember doing stuff like that and you'd be You know, you'd be halftime, you're sitting there on the chalkboard and you're talking to John Elway and Shannon Sharp and all these great players. And, you know, things are going on in the locker room and you look over and you see your kids staring at you like, what the heck's going on over there? So, you know, I guess they pick up some of those things. But it's it's a great profession, Coach. You know, it's amazing. And uh, the things you get a chance to be a part of and the lives you get a chance to influence is what it's all about.
3: Yeah, oh, but wow. having been through what you went through, was there a part of you or did, at some conversations you say, <laughs> now, do you really want to do this? I mean, did you? to?
1: Let's think about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but uh, I guess we all find our way, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, when you fall in love with something, boy, you just, uh, and you wake up every day and you don't feel like you're going that's to right. work. That's a great
2: feeling. And that's what they saw. I, I want to take it here, and this brings me to my next question because the league, th- there's a balance, right? There, there's some kids who've been involved in this game of football, like so, like your kids, since they were small, right? Because their dads were great coaches and they're they lifelong teachers, right? And then you have some uh, head coaches that we we deem don't get opportunity to get the opportunity to be a head coach. How does the league balance those dynamics, right? Because to me, you know. A guy that's been around football his entire life that happened to be a son of a head coach, that's a pretty damn good teacher. That's a pretty yeah. damn good, you know, person to have lead, lead a team, but yet balance it with opportunities from from minority head coaches.
1: No, I I, I totally understand, Mike. You know, the, the way I'd answer that is you know, you got to stop and say there's 32 jobs. That's not a lot of jobs mm-hmm. boy. I tell you, you know, what people get an opportunity to be a head coach. And I almost feel guilty sometimes to be honest with you, because I look back and some of these coaches and Brian knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You, you think of some of these great coaches you coach with and, mm-hmm. and you learn from, uh, you know, I'm sitting there thinking Bobby Turner, uh, running back coach at San Francisco, I coach with Kennedy Palomalo, amazing football coach. Rick Dennison, I've coached with for 30 years. Rick, Rick's never had an opportunity. You know, there's so many tremendous football coaches. Alex Gibbs, I mentioned the, the name earlier, but there's 32 NFL jobs. And, you know, I, I don't know why the good Lord gave me one of them at some time, you know, but uh, man, it's a, it's a coveted opportunity in life. And uh, I think everybody's working really hard at it. And, uh, you know, ho- hopefully you get the guys get the opportunities that they deserve because there's so many great great teachers out there in this business that a lot of people don't know about.
3: Did you ever have a time I know for me, you know, and, and you know, this a little bit different that you were a player and, but you went back to the college game and little to nurture it and, and had an ambition to become a head coach. And like every, you know, professional I'm, i worked at it and I set my book and how I'd interview. And you're all ready for it. You get in and you have the interview and you get the job and then you sit behind the desk. And the, my <laughs> first time I sat down, was like, Holy what do I do now? I mean, did you, did you, even though you
1: did, did you initially kind of go, this is great, but my God, what do I do now? You know, you know, Coach, it's funny you bring that up. I, I tell you guys a great story. When, when I got my first job in Houston, uh, I went down and did my press conference. Uh, the building was kind of empty. Obviously, one staff was leaving. Here comes the next group. Uh, I got through at my press conference, and I walked upstairs and wanted to see where my office was. And as I was walking up to my office, there was a kid sitting at a computer. I looked over at him and I went over and introduced myself. And I look back now. This is many, many years later. That kid sitting at that computer was Robert Sala. Oh, And I I went over and he said, Coach, I'm Robert Sala. I want to work for you. I'm a quality control coach here last year. And I look back at some of these things and I'm just amazed, you know, and you walk in your office and like you said, you're just, you're overwhelmed. But some of the things that happen along the way, uh, I remember Jeff Fisher telling me after I got my first job, he said, here's my advice, it'll get done. And at the time I was thinking, what the hell does that mean, Jeff? And every day as you went through the business, you know, and you yeah. felt like there's just, just not enough time in the day you have to say to yourself, it'll get done. Just keep going, surround yourself with great people, let them do their job, and it'll get done.
2: Oh, man, that's awesome. I got one more question before I let you go, Coach. Um, And this is just an overall general question about offense in the National Football League, man. We're seeing a lot of high-flying things. And Coach, me and Coach Billett, we talk about it all the time, about the the change of the offense. The spread is here now to stay. The RPOs are here now to stay, uh, which is really not that – different of a concept from back in the day. They're just calling it a little something different now, right? Uh, Just talk about the state of the game, the state of offense, and where you see it going in the future. No, I I think you're
1: right. I mean, uh, people are spreading the field a lot more. Um, There's still a lot of people very good at running the football and Mm -hmm. running the zone scheme, so to speak. But you you see the game getting very explosive. You see a lot of big plays. Now, I'll say this, you know, being, being involved last year, and you guys don't understand this, uh, the adversity of football was different last year. You know, there was nobody in the stands, so you know, eight eight times out of sixteen, you didn't face any adversity on the road. So I think you saw numbers go up and those type of things. Mm-hmm. I think I think some of that's going to level back off when we get all when we get the eighty thousand back in the stands and you can't hear the snap count and all those type of things. But but you're right. There's some bright minds uh, in this league. Uh, a lot of ways to get the ball to these great playmakers and. Uh, a lot of ways to do it faster and faster it seems like right now but uh i can't wait to get the fans back out there because i think we really miss that adversity that comes with with the you know football playing on the road silent count can't hear what's going on all those things kind of went away this year and you saw some explosive stuff going on but uh, i think some of that will level back off next year
2: that's awesome coach uh I, I lied one more question peyton manning man <laughs> hall of <laughs> fame i couldn't i couldn't get you off here without asking about the, the general man you coached him i mean just talk yeah. about peyton manning and how gratifying it was to see him finally you know finally but get recognized as one of the greats
1: yeah you know that was kind of intimidating for me Hell, i go on, i go into denver and you know he's got his offense in place and what? I've, got, yeah. I've, got one, I've got one that i've got one that i think is pretty good too so you know something's <laughs> got to give here but uh no, I went in there, and you know, we sat down, and, and really, for me, it was educational because I got to learn what he had been doing forever. Mm-hmm. I got to introduce him to the things that had gotten me to the point where I was at. So, you know, we find the happy medium. We go to work. Uh, you know, it ends up being his last year in football, and it was not an easy one. You know, it was very difficult. Yeah. Uh, he got injured, missed a great deal of time. Our team was able to hang in there until he could come back, and. Denver doesn't win a third championship if Peyton doesn't come back and play there Mm at the end of the year. So I have great respect for him. I was with him a couple of weeks ago at his uh, little get together for the Hall of Fame. I can't wait to go see him this summer. One of the great all time players and obviously one of
2: the great all time people to ever uh, step foot in our game. That's awesome. I couldn't imagine game planning, coaching him, right? Like, what are you saying to him, right? You're asking for, say, "Hey, Peyton, you want to run this?" Uh, Yeah, he, yeah, he, uh, he would say, "Why?"
1: A lot, you know. Why are we doing this? What's going on here? You know. But that's what—that's really from from a coaching standpoint. When you get these great quarterbacks like that, that's what really challenges you each and every day. You got to have answers for them, and those great ones. Uh, Mike, you know the great players—they want answers. You know, Coach, why why are we attacking them this way? Why, right. you know, why didn't we block it this way? So uh, that's what coaching's all about. That's what keeps you keeps you going, keeps you growing, whether you're 25 or whether you're yeah. 55.
3: His recall was—I had a chance to do his game, one of his games in Indianapolis when I was with Fox, and we're sitting talking, and and we're just talking about—I forget who they were playing—going, yeah, they're going to bring a corner blitz or whatever, and he goes, yeah, I remember. Back when we played you uh, it was uh, 12 years ago, you did that and you brought the will. I'm going, are you kidding me? I can't remember what I did yesterday and you're telling me about a cat blitz. I brought 12 years ago that that one opened my eyes a little bit.
1: Yeah, you know, those those great quarterbacks are really they're another coach on the field for your organization, you know, and uh, guy, you look around right now and there's just so many great players out there, but uh, they're the guys that make it go and um, to get a chance to coach some of the great ones like himself, be around John Elway, Steve Young for me. Uh, I look back and just feel very fortunate to be around those people.
2: Well, Coach Kubiak, we can't thank you enough for being a part of the show, thank today. You. man. Look, and if you ever get that itch, the coach again, I I want to <laughs> see you do it, man. The football world needs bright minds like you a part it, of damn this game. it. Damn near killed him, Mike. Why, why you I'm why sorry. do you want him to go back? To him? Why do you why you keep saying that to me?
1: Why you, you don't like us? You keep trying to kill us? It's so hey guys, weird. listen. It uh I really appreciate y'all having me. You know, I love uh love talking ball and I got great respect for y'all's program. And the job you do. So thanks for having me. Thanks so much. And that'll do
2: it for this week's episode of Total Access to Locker Room. For more insight with the Locker Room Point of View, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired.
0: But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.